Right, welcome back everybody, and we are continuing in chapter 4 of Shari B'Tochen. Now, I want to just recap a little bit and retrace our steps where we've been since the beginning of the chapter, um, because I think context here is important. Um, if you remember, at the very beginning of chapter 4... Just searching for it. Yeah, at the beginning of chapter 4, if you remember, Rebbe Rebbe told us that there are a number of concerns, matters, regarding which one needs to have B'tochen and Hashem about. Um, the first two categories, or the, there are two categories, okay, two general categories, what, what he calls Divrei Ho'elam Hazeh, matters of this world, and divrei ho'elam haba, matters of the next world, meaning material stuff and spiritual stuff. And then he further broke it down that matters of this world could be divided into two categories, worldly matters for this world and worldly matters for the world to come. And then he further broke that down that worldly matters for this world can be subdivided into... Uh, your own body, matters affecting your own body, then matters regarding livelihood, wealth, parnosa, and then the third subcategory of matters of this world for this world are the welfare of one's household, spouse, relatives, um, meaning all the people in your life that you deal with, and then it further then, then it says. The worldly matters for the world to come can be broken down into duties of the heart and limbs that relate only to oneself. And then another subcategory, duties of the limbs that can only be discharged in relationship with others. And then the, 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 the concerns of the world to come are broken down to the reward that is deserved and the reward that is a uh, gratuitous kindness, okay? So basically, all in total, we had seven categories, okay? And then, just to rattle those off, the seven categories. Matters that relate only to one's body. That's number one. Number two, matters that relate to income, livelihood. Number three, matters that relate to relationships with others. And those are all concerns of this world for this world. Then there are... Number four, the duties of the heart and the limbs that affect oneself alone. That's matters of this world for the sake of the world to come. Then five, duties of the limbs that affect others that you do you know, in a relationship with others. That's again, the duties of this world for the world to come. And then six, the reward in the world to come that's earned. That's matters of the world to come. And... Seven, the reward that is gratuitous kindness from Hashem beyond anything we've earned. Seven total categories, okay? And that was at the very beginning of chapter four. Now, how many of those seven have we gone through so far? So if you think about what we've spoken about so far in chapter four, you realize that the first subject that we dealt with at length was health, body stuff, stuff to do with my own 
my own physical body. Okay? We spoke a lot about health and healing. That was concern number one. Matters of this world for this world. Category number one, which is matters that affect me, my own person, my own body. After that, we started speaking a, lo a lot at length about parnosa, about income, livelihood. Because that's category number two. Matters of, this, of the matters of this world for this world. Okay? And now, we're about ready to start category three, which is, does anyone want to surprise me and tell me that they remember after all that? Category three. Oh, very good. Somebody wrote in the private chat, matters that relate to people in our life. I love it. That's great. You used, the, you used your own words, which means you understand it, because if you use your own words, it means you know what you're talking about. So, you know something that struck me? Just, I'll admit, today, as I was preparing this class, um, I was thinking about, okay, so first we spoke about our bodies, all right? Then we spoke about our livelihood, you know, having enough money to buy the stuff we need. And now we're speaking about relationships, about the people in our lives. And by the way, that doesn't mean supporting the people in our lives, because that's part of the previous thing we are talking about regarding income. This is more about having relationships with people. That's something that, you know, a person needs is companionship, society of, of peers, family members, you know, having people to interact with. Okay? So it struck me, you know the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Abraham Maslow, he, a Jewish psychologist, he came up with this idea of the hierarchy of needs. Basically, there are, the bottom of the triangle are the things that are the most, and that's why it's called a hierarchy. Those are the things that are most pressing, most urgent. And then as you go further and further up the triangle to the very tippy top, those are the things that are lower priority, meaning once you meet a lower level need, then you can go be worried about meeting a next level need. So it just struck me, the lowest level are the physiological needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Basically, that's talking about your body. That's your physical body. Then, safety needs, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Okay, that's talking about having a means to being able to buy stuff. Having a job so you can have income and pay the rent. And then, after that, is love and belonging, which is friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. That's relationships with other people. And then, after you have that, then you have the stuff that's more intangible, like uh, self-actualization. Right, which is all the spiritual stuff. So it's interesting. Rabbeinu B'chayah starts off chapter 4 and he says, first, the, the needs of this world for this world. And the first of those, I mean, basically he does a hierarchy. The first of those is physical body, your person, yourself, okay? And he talks about health. Then, then the next thing is having a livelihood, being able to you know, pay the bills. Right? That's, that's the next level. And then after that, what's the next level? Relationships. Having people in your life. Okay, and then after he does all that, he deals with what he calls the, 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 the concerns of this world for the sake of the world to come, which is, you know, the spiritual stuff, the self-actualization stuff. So it struck me very interesting how, uh, without saying, and he doesn't say it's a seder milamata lamaila, that it's, it's a hierarchy building from lower to higher, but it occurred to me that that is indeed what he, what he presents is... Uh, a bunch of needs from the most basic to, you know, increasingly 
rarefied. So I thought that was interesting and probably a helpful way to remember what's happening in this chapter and refer back to it. Okay, fine. So let's do the third category of needs, which is, as someone wrote in the private chat, um, matters that relate to people in our life. Yes, thank you. Okay, so let's talk about matters that relate to people in our life. All right. Now let's deal with the third category. And these are relating to one's wife and children, household members, relatives, friends, and enemies, intimates and acquaintances as well as those who are above him and those who are below him in the class structure. The proper way of relying on Hashem in these matters is as I'm about to tell you. The Neda B'Kedish explains this, that the Neda is talking about emotional challenges that you can have from relationships, either when you have them or you don't have them. <laughs> so when you don't have them, then there's the challenge of loneliness, which is the first thing he's going to talk about. When you do have them, then there's other challenges, okay, of dealing with the people in your life. And that's what we're going to talk about now. All right. And you need betochen for this. You need betochen. In order to have healthy relationships with people, you have to have a healthy relationship with Hashem. Okay. First thing you got to know is nobody escapes one of two situations. There are one of two scenarios that everyone is going to have to face, either one or the other. Either you're going to be a stranger, or you're going to be among friends and family. You're, you're in one of the two situations at any given time. Sometimes it goes back and forth. Sometimes different times of life is one, and other times of life is another. Some people have most of their life in one way. Some people have most of their life in their other way. But whatever situation you're in, either you're not among people you know, friends and family, or you are among the people that you know, the friends and the family. Okay, so let's deal with this. If you are alone, if you are a stranger, how should you deal with that? How should you deal with loneliness? Loneliness is a real issue, right? Especially if we think about it in terms of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? That companionship and society, those, those are things that a, pe- a person actually needs for his own well-being. So a healthy person needs these things. So what do you do when you're alone? If you're alone, He should connect to Hashem in the time of his loneliness, and he should place his trust in him while he's feeling like a stranger. He should deepen his relationship with Hashem. And he should reflect upon the fact that the soul itself is a stranger in this world. Soul isn't from here. The soul is in the world, it's not from this world. And in fact, all of the people in this world are like strangers in the world. 
like the verse says, Ki atem imadi. You are strangers and temporary residents. Is a similar pasuk that Chassidus explains that when uh, Avram Avinu has to bury Sarah and he has to buy a plot, so he he buy he needs to buy the Maras Machpelah the in Chevron the uh, the cave of Machpelah in, in Chevron. So he's dealing with the Bnei Ches, and uh, one of the things he tells them he says Ger v'seishav anaychi. It's an interesting phrase. Ger means a stranger. A Teishav means a resident. So hold on. You're a stranger or you're a resident? A stranger means you're just passing through. And a resident means you live here. This is your address, permanent address. Which one is it? And of course Rashi explains what he meant. He says, look, you can treat me like a local. Or you can treat me like a stranger. However you want to do business, no problem. Let's do business on your terms. But Chassidus explains it that Avram is actually speaking on behalf of all of us, and he's saying this is the attitude that the Jew has to have. That on one hand, I'm a stranger in this world. My soul is not of this world. You know, I'm, I'm a heavenly being. You know, we're not uh, human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. So on one hand, I'm a stranger. I'm just passing through. On the other hand, Hashem created the world and sent my soul into the world for the sake of to refine the physical world and make, to make this world holier than heaven. So I have to do physical mitzvahs and refine the world and worry about Elam Hazah, the physical world. So it's, it's, it's both. I can't just renounce this world and forget about it because Hashem sent me here to refine the world. On the other hand, I can't just fall in love with the world and think that physicality for its own sake has any value because it doesn't. So it's that paradox. At any rate, when a person is lonely in the most simple sense, when he's feeling socially isolated, he doesn't have companionship for whatever reason, um, he should think about, first of all, he says he should deepen his relationship with Hashem, and uh, second, he should reflect upon the fact that the soul is a stranger, and in fact, all of us are strangers in this world. Even the person who appears to be so well-connected, and we're all just strangers in this world. The Yachshev Belibay, let's continue inside. The Yachshev Belibay, ki komi shiyash He should think, anyone who has relatives in this world, adzman muot yashuv nachri Sooner or later, in a short while, relatively speaking, he's going to be left alone. And he's not going to be left with a relative or a child. No one will be able to help him or accompany him. In other words, in a relatively short amount of time, they say life is short, right? Life is short. He's going to have to go on his own journey. And uh, this companionship he has here in this world, it only lasted a certain amount of time. Okay, we're talking to a person right now who's lonely, okay? So we're like, <laughs> it's always very important to understand context. Context, context. We're not speaking to a person who has an active 
uh, familial and social life and telling him, eh, who cares? These people, you, you, eventually you're going to leave this world. We're talking to a person right now who's struggling with loneliness. So <laughs> to temper that situation, to ease the situation, to mitigate it, so we're telling him, look, it's nice to have friends, but at the end of the day, when you have to leave this world, you know, they're not standing with you when you're being judged, when you're looking at your life, when you're seeing what you accomplished. You know, you're on your own, basically. All right? So that's what we tell the guy in order that he should make him, you know, should feel a little bit better. And again, it's not just to make him feel better. Obviously, I'm not saying it's, you know, just... Uh, you know, uh, hot air, what we're saying is, for the purpose of comforting someone who's in this situation, we take this very, I would call it an extreme position, okay, where we're sort of minimizing or, or, or dismissing the value of, of companionship and saying, look, in the end, who's really, who really has anyone? Who really has anyone? We're all just strangers passing through, okay. And then he should think another thing. This is like a whole series of thoughts. He should think that he is freed from the heavy burden of supporting relatives and fulfilling obligations toward them. So, hey, good news. You know, you may not have anyone in your life, but that means you're free. You know, you don't have to support anyone. And he should consider this a favor that Hashem did for him. Now, obviously... There's a person who has people in his life, and he has to support them, and, he, and not just financially, but, you know, emotionally support them. You know, you have to come home and actually talk to people. You know that? Yes, introverts, it's true. Okay? <laughs> um, at any rate, I'm, I'm, one of, I'm the biggest introvert, so I'm talking to myself. All right. Um, the, the, again, the point is, this is not like the end-all, be-all way of speaking about relationships. But if a person is in that situation, so this is the context we give him to, to, to comfort him. Because if he's busy with mundane things, with secular things, his labors are lighter without wife or child. And their absence means rest for him and is beneficial to him. So if you're a money guy, you're into things of this world, hey, it's good. It's good you're single. However, let's say he's a spiritual guy. He calls it someone who seeks after those things that are, he calls it things that are there in the end, meaning the stuff that goes on forever, spirituality. So if he's more of a spiritual guy, well, his mind is undoubtedly clearer and freer when he's in a state of solitude. So if you're a guy who's into mundane stuff, well, great, you don't have to support a family. If you're a guy who's into spiritual stuff, great, you can spend time meditating and thinking about the important things in life. Again, this is for a person who doesn't have these things. What are you supposed to tell him? What's he supposed to do? If he doesn't have this in his life, or he doesn't have it right now, he should feel like a loser, he should feel like he has nothing going on. No, there's, there's, a, there's a way of looking at it in a positive way, and that's what Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar is framing for us right now. Because 
This is the reason why the ascetics would leave their relatives and homes for the mountains. The mountains doesn't mean like going up to the country, go to the bungalow and the Catskills, no. The mountains here means like a hermit, a recluse living in the mountains, like Ted Kaczynski. So that their hearts would be free to serve Hashem. Okay, and again, this is, I think this is like the 10th disclaimer that I've given in this class. But obviously, this now is not a prescription for all of us. He's going he's to describe now the very extreme lifestyle of the ascetics. This is not advice that you should be like these people. We're talking right now about a person who doesn't have people in his life, okay? This is like somebody who's struggling with health, or someone who's struggling with Parnassa. Okay, this person's struggling with loneliness. So what are we going to tell them? We're going to tell them, hey, there are people, they're called ascetics, they're called Purushim. They purposely go put themselves into the situation that you're in. They run off to the mountains so that they can be all alone. Look, you're so lucky, you're right here and you're all alone. So now he's going to describe the, the ascetics. Oh, and by the way, let me just, as long as I'm giving disclaimers, this is for someone to tell himself to feel better about his situation. We've said this before about other matters when it comes to betochen. That's for someone to tell himself or herself. Never say this to somebody else. So if somebody you know is lonely, somebody is single, they don't have a family, never tell them this stuff. That would be cruel. This is not for us to minimize the, the pain of someone, someone who's, who's alone. To the contrary, this should awaken us to that plight because Rebbeinu B'chai is giving so much time to addressing it um, like, it, like it's the lack of any other thing, like as if a person lacked health, God forbid, or lacked parnosa, God forbid, so too a person who lacks companionship, God forbid, is something that has to be addressed. Okay? All right, let, let, let's just continue here about the ascetics. V'chein hoyu hanavim bizmana navua yetzim mayanesehem, so too the prophets, when they would prophesize, they would leave their homes, umisbedidim, they used to go uh, seclude themselves and focus on their duties to Hashem. Like the story of Elio and Elisha, it says, Twelve yoke of oxen were before him, and he was with the twelfth. And as soon as Elio gave him the slightest hint to Elisha, Haven he, he took the hint. Elisha, the student, took the hint, and he said, Let me go kiss my father and mother goodbye, and follow you. He understood he's going to have to take leave of his family and go off and be secluded with, uh, with his teacher for spiritual purposes. And he said, he followed Elio and he served him. The story about an ascetic who went to a land to teach its inhabitants about the service of God. He saw that their clothing and their ornaments were all alike in color. They all wore the same color. And he 
and he saw how they had their graves next to their houses. Usually graves are in the cemetery on the outskirts of town. They had their graves like right by their front door. So when they were like at come and go in, in the house, they would like be walking over the graves of their relatives. They like leave a note for UPS. Just leave it next to the grave. Okay. And he says he didn't see a woman among them. They were all men. He asked them about this. He said, hey, what's up with that? And they said to him, like, you all wear the same color clothing. You have graves in front of your houses. And there's no women here. Like, what, what kind of life is this? So they said to him, Why do we all wear the same clothes? Nobody should recognize the, who's, who's rich and who's poor. The rich man shouldn't get haughty and the poor man shouldn't feel bad. They didn't like make a charity fund so that the poor people should be less poor, but they made sure that the rich guys should dress like poor people. Okay, all right. We wanted that our lives above the earth should be similar to our lives below the earth. What is that? It's a poetic way of saying the rich man, when he's buried, is wearing the same thing as the poor man. So we, we do the same thing above the ground. It says about one of the kings. Which king? He doesn't say which one. He used to mingle among his subjects and he wasn't recognizable among them. He would like dress like a commoner and go out among the regular people. Because he would dress in a very humble way. It's a similar type of idea there. All right, now the ascetics are continuing to explain their, their whole uh, setup here. Uma shesamnu kivres meisenu etzel psachenu. And this, that we put graves in front of our houses, kidei she nivochach mehem venia nechenim lamus. It's so that we should be disciplined by this and we should become aware of death. And it should prepare us for, or we should get prepared that way uh, in order to uh, be ready for the place of rest. And this that you noticed that we have separated from our wives and our children, da ki lahem you should know we set up a little village nearby just for them. That uh, if one of us is in need of something that relates to one of them, we go there and we take care of what we need to take care of and then we come back to our place. So a guy is like, do you know where I put my jacket? But his wife lives in the other village. So he goes to the other village and he says, where's my jacket? She says, it's in the front closet. He says, I looked in the front closet. It's not, she says, it's in the front closet. And then he goes back to the village where he lives and he looks in the closet. Oh, and then he goes back to the village where his wife lives and says, you're right, you're right, you're right. She says, I know, that's what I told you, it was in the closet. Okay. 
All right. Mipnei Shara'inu. So why did they do this? Why did they set up life like that? Mipnei Shara'inu b'mash yekonos aleinu mitirdus halei v'roi v'hefsid v'gedol e'gia v'aterech b'kravosam. We did this because we've observed the mental distraction, the heavy loss and great trouble that result from their being close to us. In contrast, v'hamenucha mikolzeh, the peace that we have from all of this, when they are far from us. And this way we can occupy ourselves with matters of the world to come instead of matters of this world. The ascetic approved of this lifestyle. He blessed them. And he congratulated them on their conduct. So again, just want to make it 100% clear. Rebbeinu Bechaye, although he does speak um, favorably of these people, he doesn't tell us to be like them. He's not telling us to live like this. The context is very important. If someone happens to be lonely, God forbid, because again, that's a lack of a, a human need to be lonely. But if that's the situation that he needs to be in for right now, for whatever reason, not that we would say this to him, but he should know for himself that, you know what? There's something good to this as well. And that there are people who actually seek out being in an isolated type of situation like that for various reasons or advantages that it might pose. So therefore, we're trying to grant some comfort some solace to someone who, for the time being, does not have uh, these close relationships in his life. But again, okay, for us, bottom line, um, yeah, call a single person and invite them for Shabbos. And uh, if you know somebody who, who's alone, uh, especially during this weird COVID time that we're in right now, give somebody a call or, uh, you know, just reach out uh, to people, okay? Alrighty, we will continue tomorrow night.